Today we celebrate the greatest news in human history. You know, the stone was rolled away, the tomb is empty, our Savior Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. And friends, because of that, because of Jesus' death, because of his resurrection, we're forgiven, sin has lost its power, we're able to have a relationship with God, we have the promise of heaven and eternity, and we have hope. We, we have the promise that God is always with us, that he's there guiding us and protecting us. We have the promise that God will unleash his power and strength in our lives. And I wonder, do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? Or do you still have doubts? And if you have doubts, I want you to know you're not alone on that. And I pray that you'll find your way through your doubts because it's a crossroad in life. We've been looking at uh, various encounters that Jesus had with people at the crossroads. And crossroads are those places where we find ourselves from time to time. Some of you may be at a crossroad today. You know, crossroads are are full of pain. There's hurt. There's brokenness. There's fear. We said crossroads are a place where you deal with a lot of confusion and uncertainty in life. And it is at the crossroad, in the midst of the problem, in the midst of the situation or your challenge, it's where you meet God. And God loves to meet people at the crossroads. And because God's there, we can find hope, we can find strength, we can find healing in our lives. And today, it's a crossroad of doubt. You know, it's a crossroad I don't think we talk a lot about in the church, but it's a crossroad that most of us face in life. And I know some of you, you you would say, well, I don't don't have a problem with doubt. And the fact is, I know people that would say, you know, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, period. Some come to that point, there's no doubt, there's some of you here today. But for many, it's not that simple. In fact, it's more complicated. I think a lot of people would say, I want to believe, but I'm a little bit skeptical. I want to believe, but, you know, I'm a little more analytical. I want to believe, but I need more information. I got to ask a few more questions. I got to have a few more answers. Need a little more proof before I can believe. And you may find this hard to believe, but I'm more like that myself. I I tend to uh, question things. I'm naturally more skeptical about things. Anybody very close to me knows I'm not very quick to accept something as a truth without proof. I have to be shown, have to be convinced. And through the years, I've always asked a lot of questions. You know, when I was young, I was always asking questions. I, I was uh, airing my spiritual doubts. And the church that I grew up in, my skepticism, well, let's just say it was not appreciated, all right? I made a lot of teachers very uncomfortable with just asking questions. It, it, even my pastor seemed to be uncomfortable with some of my questions, That may not have been the case, but as I observed, and from my perspective, 
it seemed like my questions disrupted people. Now, I was always asking my pastor questions just about every Sunday. I had some question for him. But I remember one day going up to him, and it was kind of a difficult question. But I go, I was wondering if Satan was to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, bow a knee to Jesus Christ, could, could he be saved? And I remember pastor just saying, Damon, after you die, you don't get a second chance. And he kind of keeps walking, and I'm walking right along with him. And I go, well, uh, Satan was an angel, so technically he never died. He got thrown out of heaven. He's an eternal being. So my question is, could he be saved? Is it possible that God's grace is that big? And I remember he was very aggravated, and he just kind of responded. He said, Damon, quit asking questions. I'm not answering any more of your questions. I remember walking away going, that's fine. You've not answered a lot of my questions anyway. So, you know, I know I was, I was a tough kid. <laughs> I kept asking questions. I just didn't ask him anymore. And what I've come to realize is it's okay to question things. It's okay with God if you ask questions. You can ask difficult questions, you can ask deep questions, you can ask profound questions. God welcomes our questions. And I want you to believe me, when I say God and the Bible, they can withstand whatever scrutiny. And so we can bring it on, we can probe, we can seek, we can ask, and it's okay. And what you will find when you find the answers is it has huge implications, in your life. It's a life-changing thing. I grew up in a traditional church, and uh, I remember sitting in church one Sunday, and it was one of those weekends. I was in sixth grade at the time. I remember listening to the pastor talking, and he was talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And everybody was kind of nodding their head yes, and they were taking notes. And so I was taking notes, and I know you're going, you're a weird kid, Damon. But uh, fact is, I'm still weird, but um, I remember as he was talking, it was just kind of a, a wave of uh, doubt that swept over me, and I remember writing this very clearly, what if it isn't true? Real doubt. Doubts about my faith. Doubts about what I believe, doubts about God, doubts about Jesus Christ. What if it isn't true? And I I went home, I'm kind of wrestling with these questions now. And I remember just having a conversation with God, you know, saying, God, I I believe you're out there. I I want to believe that. But but I'm not sure, so there's this one thing I'm going to ask you to do, and it would kind of help with my doubts. And so what I did, I went over the shelves in my room, and I had uh, all these albums standing up, and I laid one of them down. Now, the younger generation, an album's how we used to listen to music. (laughs) It was like a big CD, and if you're really young, you don't even know what a CD is. But uh, So I laid one of the albums down, and I said, God... If you're real, 
stand it back up with the rest of the albums. I'm crashing. You got all night. This should be pretty easy for you to do. You've parted seas and everything. And I crashed. And I hoped. I hoped that in the morning, when I woke up, I would see the album standing back up. When I woke up, nothing had happened. See, it was a crossroad, a crossroad of doubt. And friends, God met me there. And I'm a pastor. And I have stood at the crossroad of doubt many times in my life. Doubt, doubt, it comes in all kinds of shapes, all kinds of sizes. There, there are people that obviously have doubt about the existence of God. I mean, for some, it's really more than doubt. They, for them, they, they don't even believe God exists. In fact, they would go a step further and go, anybody that does believe in God, it's just foolishness. And then there would be people that would give God the benefit of the doubt and go, well, yeah, sure, there's a higher power out there somewhere. But I doubt that that God, that higher power, really cares about what's going on in my life. God doesn't really listen to my prayers. I've prayed a lot about a lot of things, and he didn't do anything. So, so obviously, God's not really listening. And some would doubt that God could actually love them. And I hear this often. People say, I doubt God could love me. I doubt that God would forgive me. I mean, after everything I've done. And I know there are some who would say, there, there was a time. There was a time when I wanted to believe in God. And then I met some Christians. And then I really started doubting. I mean, they were weird. They were hypocritical. And I thought, if that's what happens to you, if you believe in God, no thank you. See, they come in all shapes and sizes, these doubts. You know, some churches, uh, I, I think, imply that if you have doubts, you're not welcome in the club. If you have doubts and, and questions, and you raise too many questions, you don't have faith. If you have doubts, maybe you shouldn't even be at church. And friends, I want to tell you, that's not true here at Faith Fellowship. It's okay to doubt. In fact, if you doubt in your life, it's a beginning road. If you don't doubt, if you don't admit that you have doubts, if you don't work through those doubts, you will never experience a deep faith, a real faith, a passionate faith. I mean, some would say doubts destroy faith. I would argue that for many people, doubt, it's the beginning of faith. It's where we start. It's the beginning of real faith. And so today, we're at a crossroad of doubt. And today, we're going to look at a guy, a guy that was branded as a doubter. In fact, doubt became synonymous with, with his name. He became known as Doubting Thomas. And it's interesting, there are only uh, 12 verses in the Bible about Thomas. And they all center on his doubt. 12 verses record the history of his doubt. And here's what I love about this story. 
is the fact that it shows us that even the biggest doubter can grow and have a strong faith, and it all starts at that crossroads. So we're going to pick the story up this morning. At this point, Jesus has been crucified. He died on the cross. He's been buried in a tomb. Three days have passed. He's risen from the dead. The body's gone. Several women had had been to the tomb that morning. Angel informed them that he wasn't there, that he was risen. They ran to tell the disciples. Jesus appeared to two, two men that were traveling on the road to Emmaus. Now the disciples are all gathered in the room. And they're talking about all that's taken place. I want you to imagine this for a moment. They're hearing these stories about the angels at the tomb, hearing the stories from the the men that had walked with Jesus. I imagine Peter kind of chimed in at some point and go, well, I saw saw the tomb too. It was empty when we got there. And there's this excitement in the air. Is it possible? Could Jesus really be alive Scripture says this, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be to you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. Well, I'm sure they were frightened. They were, they were startled. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus just appears. They're, they're talking about the possibility that Jesus might be alive, and then boom, there he is. Think about that. It frightens them. They they have seen Jesus crucified. Many of them had seen Jesus dying on the cross. Several had seen Jesus when he was dead, and he was all the way dead, not mostly dead like in Princess Bride kind of a thing, but all the way dead. This would be kind of like going to a funeral. You see the the body in the casket. You go to the burial. You see him put the casket in the ground. And then a few days later, you're sitting at the dinner table, and they just appear. Hey, how's it going? Pass the potatoes, you know? I don't know. They were dead, and now they're back. And that's what we got going on here. Jesus was dead, the disciples knew he was dead, and then suddenly they see him and he's alive, and immediately they think they're seeing a ghost, it's a crossroads. He says to them, why are you troubled? And here's the real question, why do doubts rise in your minds? Jesus appears to the disciples, They're startled. It's a crossroad. Jesus says, why do you let doubts rise in your mind? Hey, guys, did did you forget? I I said that I was going to give my life. You remember I told you that I was going to die and that I would come back in three days. I told you that was going to happen. I mean, did you forget? Did you forget what I'm capable of? Did you forget that I was able to make blind eyes see? Did you forget that I was able to raise the dead? Did you forget I spoke to the sea and it was calm? Guys, have you forgotten all that stuff already? 
Why do you allow those doubts to rise in your mind? Jesus says, look at my hands, my feet. It's really me. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones like you see I have. Now I want you to guess who was not there that day. Thomas. Thomas wasn't at the meeting. John tells us in his account of the same story, says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So Jesus shows up. Thomas is not there. Most scholars believe that the disciples had gathered and they were worshiping. So Thomas kind of missed church that day. And he misses out. He misses out on the presence of Jesus Christ. He misses out on the experience uh, and the power of Jesus. He misses out on the proof of Jesus. He misses out on the peace be still. The fact is you can miss a lot when you miss church. You miss a lot when we gather together as a community of faith. Scripture says, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. I think Thomas hears this and his mind's racing. His heart's pounding. And he responds with just really pure honesty here. He says, but he says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Thomas says, I want to believe, but I won't believe unless I get to touch him. I, I hear what you're saying, guys, but I want more than secondhand knowledge. I want more than a secondhand faith. I want firsthand experience with the risen Savior. See, I think secondhand faith is a big issue today, especially in the church. You know, there's so many people kind of riding along on their, their parents' faith, what their parents believed. That what happens is we become attenders who kind of believe. And then one day life gets rocked. And what happens is your second-hand faith gets shaken. You know, you end up at that crossroad. Going, do, do I really believe that God loves me? Do I really believe that Jesus Christ died for me? Do I really believe he walked out of the grave? Do I believe he's the only way to God? Do I really believe that God wants to be involved in my life? The disciples, talking to Thomas, they said, we've seen him. He's alive. And there were a lot of other witnesses there. And they're joining in. Thomas, we've seen him. We really did. We've talked to him. We've walked with him. This is big news. And it demands a big response and I love Thomas because I, I picture Thomas just saying, you know what, this is so important. 
I want to know that it's true because if it's true, it changes everything in my life. Absolutely everything, but I'm not going to believe until I really get to touch him. See, some people say you can't have faith if you doubt. But friends, you find that you get real faith when you work through your doubts. Doubts are not the end, they're the beginning of faith. Thomas says, I want to believe, but I need a little bit more. It's a crossroad. Some of you are at that crossroad. You need a little bit more. More is exactly what Jesus did for Thomas. Scripture says a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Thomas is in the house. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. See, the stone couldn't keep Jesus in the tomb. The locked door couldn't keep him out. And I I don't know how he got in the room. I mean, he may have walked through the wall. He may have just appeared. Don't know. But bottom line, Jesus is in the room. And it's full of disciples. And it's interesting because Jesus doesn't talk to any of the other disciples. He zeroes in on Thomas. Scripture says, then he said to Thomas, this is Jesus speaking, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and what? Believe. Jesus doesn't talk to any of the other disciples. Jesus cared about the one that wanted to believe. He goes straight to Thomas. He says, touch my hands, Thomas. Go ahead, touch my side. Stop doubting and believe. See, Jesus gave him exactly what he needed to believe. And the thing that strikes me, and I want you to notice here, Jesus did not chew Thomas out. He didn't shun Thomas. He didn't kick him out and say, you know what, you're out. You can't be a disciple. Let's doubt things just too much. No, he gave him exactly what he needed so that he would stop doubting and start believing. Some of you are at that crossroads in your life. And here's what I believe. I believe the presence of God is going to give you what you need to believe. It's what God does. It's what God specializes in at the crossroad of doubt. You know, skeptic, doubter, struggling to believe. I mean, some some just leave when they get to that point. Some run away from God. But there's something in you that wants to believe. Friends, God placed that desire in you. I mean, sometimes, I know it's easier to run, try and forget, get involved in all kinds of sins, and it's kind of fun for a while. I mean, how many of you know sin is fun? 
Come on now. Everybody should have their hand up. (laughs) If you don't have your hand up, you're either lying in church, shame, shame, or you're not doing it right, all right? (laughs) Sin, sin's fun for a while. But friends, it'll mess you up. It starts crushing you. It'll destroy you. It'll start destroying the stuff around you. And there comes a point where you realize there's got to be a better way. There's got to be more to this life. The fact is you'll get to a point where you start to wonder about God. You start to wonder if he could love you, if he could help you. You wonder if he could give you some direction in your life. Friends, throughout my entire life, I've had doubts about things. And every time I've expressed my doubts to God, God has moved. Now, he didn't move and move the album, all right? But he's moved in other ways. God has always met me at the crossroad of doubt. He's always given me what I need to believe And friends, it wasn't always what I asked for, but it's what I needed so I could come to to faith. It's what happened to Thomas. Jesus says, touch me. Touch me, Thomas. And I love Thomas' response. My Lord and my God. It, It becomes very personal. It wasn't secondhand faith. It's first-hand faith. He wasn't believing in Jesus. He was believing Jesus. Big difference. I mean, even the demons believe in Jesus. This becomes personal, and when it became personal, it was life-changing faith. And it's what happens. What happens when you find yourself in the presence of God, the presence of the Lord. He gets in your heart. And if you pursue God, if you pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, what you find is God begins to move in your life in such a way that you stop doubting and you start believing. It's interesting. Thomas left that that crossroad of doubt and he moves forward in faith. In fact, Thomas would travel further than any of the other disciples. He'd travel all the way to India, and he's sharing the gospel everywhere he goes. He wanted everyone to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship that he stood up and said, it changed my life, it transformed me. See, Thomas, who once had doubted, There comes a point in his life later, in his life, but there comes this point when he's asked to renounce his faith or die. And I love it because Thomas stands his ground, no doubt. And he would die for his faith that day. Friends, some of you, or at that crossroads in your life. You got a lot of doubt. And I want to say it's okay to be at that cross. It's a great place to be. 
But some of you have been at that crossroads for a long, long time. And if you were honest, some of you would say, you know what, I I have been at that crossroads and doubting things for five years. Some of you would say, well, ten years. Some of you might say decades. In fact, some of you might say, I've been there most of my life. And I'm worried, and here's why. Because if you're not careful... You can spend your entire life at that crossroad of doubt. And friends, I want to just beg you, don't do that. Don't do that. Here's a promise from Jesus. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. And everyone who searches, what? For everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Some of you are at that crossroads today of doubt. And, and this is my best advice for you. Bring your doubts to God. Ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask them. Ask them. And then press in as close to God as you can and ask, and seek, and knock, and pursue answers. See, you need to be pursuing. Start dealing with the doubt. And when you do that, what happens is God sees that. God's watching, and God will meet you at that crossroads, and God will help you find the answers, and God will open the doors that need to be opened, and he'll give you what you need to believe. I mean, God may move through a scripture, God may move through a a song or message, through a book. God may, may speak through a friend or a situation in your life. But friends, take it to the bank. God will respond. And when he does, it allows you to move from doubt to faith. He has done that for me my entire life. And he'll do it for you. See, doubt... It's not the end of faith. No doubt, that's the beginning. It's the beginning of real faith. It's the beginning of solid faith. It's the beginning of life-changing faith. You know, we gather with billions of people around the planet today with a faith that, that believes. I mean, we believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus died to save us for our sins. We believe that God loved us so much that he sent his son. We believe that he rose from the dead on the third day. We believe the tomb is empty. We believe that Christ is risen. That's why we celebrate, right? We believe. I challenge you. We're going to have prayer teams up front and... uh, Maybe you got doubts. It's okay. Just say, God, here, here's what I'm doubting. And allow God to move you from that crossroad to faith. And some of us, we've been walking with God a long time, but maybe, maybe we need God to give us more faith in an area. Talk to God about it. 
Don't be afraid. It's, it's what moves us forward in, in faith. So let, let's stand for a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, there are many gathered here today, and God, I know there are some that there's still a lot of doubt. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just whisper that they just lift those doubts to you this week. God, I know that you meet us where we are. You welcome the questions. You welcome the struggle. God, I just pray that uh, we'd move forward in faith. God, I know there are others here today that uh, we stand in awe of your faithfulness. All the ways you've moved, you've been there for us. In those moments when we doubted, you, you just spoke. God, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you loved us so much, you sent your son. And we celebrate with people around the world today. We want to shout it from the mountaintop that you're risen, that you love, that you really do care about what's going on. God, I thank you for that love. I thank you for the promise that we find in the resurrection. We just give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. And God's people said, let's worship together.